Hey everyone, this is Lauren Mabick from Red Handed Denial and Crazy 88, and you're listening to When Words Fail, Music Speaks Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. Fell. Music Speaks interview. Hey everybody, uh, this is what the Wind Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. I'm your handicap host, James Cox. My co-host Blake cannot be here today. He's still messing around with his bathroom. I don't know what the problem is, but hopefully we'll get it back in next week. Uh, today is a really, really special episode for us. Because we got an awesome guest, and I, and I just want to tell you a little bit about him before we, we bring him on. In 2003, our guest competed in the first season of the television singing competition, Nashville Star. He became the show's first winner for that season, and was soon signed to a recording contract with Columbia Records Nashville. He made his debut on the American country music scene with the release of his self-titled album, which produced the singles Help Pour Out the Rain and Sweet Southern Comfort. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Buddy Jewel. From Carolina down to Georgia, smell the jasmine and magnolia, sleep the sweet home, Alabama, roll tight. What's going on, buddy? What's up, James? How Thanks you doing, for having man? me on, man. Yeah, good to have you, man. This is so exciting. Um, I, I, I just want to tell you, um, tell the people about something first. When I first emailed you, I didn't tell you my name, did I? <laughs> That's right. I, I, I was so excited to, to email you and, get, and possibly get you on the show that I forgot to tell you my name, man. I'm, yeah, so this is a really exciting <laughs> moment for me and my co-host, who, who once again could not be here. So, yeah, that's uh, all right. Yeah. It's uh, all good, man. We're here now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, how is COVID life treating you? I mean, is it good, bad? You know, um, it's my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, I'm amazed at how God continues to take care of us. You look, <laughs> I look at what's coming in. I go, no way, you know, we're going to make it. But God has sustained us through all this and, um, and we're counting on him to, you know, to keep us uh safe and and uh keep all the bills paid so far he's doing a fine job he always there you has go. so yes sir we're he good is. man no, it no, could be, yeah. you know I, i'm like everybody else you know i'm missing out on a lot of work and stage time i finally did a show <laughs> last weekend oh, did i hadn't been on stage in front of a live audience in six months right so um wow but uh it was it was a lot of fun i was down on the gulf coast so we had a great time cool man cool man um you i know of uh have a mutual friend of ernie evans you know that guy? I do. I do. He's a great guy. A great guy. And I, <laughs> I think, love Ernie. Yeah, he's great. He is, man. He he's he's been a friend for, for a while now. Um, I, I met him through, okay, so I uh, saw a video of him and um, Tyler Williams play um, a Shenandoah cover of, um, I forgot the song name. But I think you shared it, uh, shared it on, your, on your Facebook page. And um, it blew up to like eight million views right now. Sweet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, and I and Ernie contacted me, thinking me, um, uh, to for 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 posting that because 
because oh, um, ever since then, uh, Tyler got so many requests to, you know, to play with him and everything, so I'm glad to help him too, you know? Nice. So, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, so that blew up, you know, and and uh, and Ernie and I um been talking and I and I asked him, uh, do you have any friends that that you know that could come on? And he's like, yeah, man, why, why don't you hit a buddy duo? You know, contact his uh, uh PR guy and uh you know, so I contacted the PR guy. I didn't I I didn't hear from him, so that's why I emailed you and you know, lo and behold, I've got my name. So yeah. Yeah, and I, I was looking at that, the name that they, I think the name they gave for the PR guy was the wrong guy. Oh, really? Um, okay, yeah, because yeah, uh, they gave sorry, me Mr. Brown's name. Yeah, Mitchell's my producer. Mitchell, you're right. PR guy's guy, and I, yeah, yeah, I got a, um, there's a, a different guy that's PR. Craig, uh, Craig Campbell does my PR. Okay, all right, so, yeah, but that's, that's, that was the problem. That's okay, man, I got you anyway, so that's all that matters, right? That's all right. right. Um, so can you tell me about your first music memory? I mean, like, what's the earliest you can remember music being played anywhere? Well, um, James, it would probably be, um, either in church, because as, as a little boy, my parents, you know, took us to church, you know, from at a very early age, either that, or, um, I remember mom and dad had bought this, uh, old record player back in the, the late sixties. Um, well, probably, probably more like yeah, the mid late mid to late '60s, and uh, it played 33 and a third records. You know, it's like uh, like a CD, but it's as big as a pizza for all your viewers out there. Yeah, what <laughs> yeah. A, a, an LP is, um, and I just I would sit and listen to um, Marty Robbins and Johnny Cash and Johnny Horton and Already guys like stuff. that. My dad yeah. loved those kind of singers and songwriters, and so. I would listen to those records over and over and over. So those are probably my my earliest recollections of, of music memories. Cool. Yeah. Um. My mom says that I saw Johnny Cash live, and I don't know. And I can't cannot remember. Oh and, man. Because yeah, because I was like five or six years old, and we all went and uh, we always went to Bush Gardens, and she said that was a song. I'm like, well, you couldn't take any pictures. <laughs> you know, she didn't have any proof of that. So you know, so. Yeah. Um. Uh, so what, what what kind of music did you grow up listening to? Well, I um, you know, I started out, of course, like anybody else, I loved um, the uh, you know the, the kind of the country stuff, the pop. But well, I'll take that back. Back then, um, you know, growing up, when I got to be a, a teenager, I really didn't listen to a lot of country music because it was too twangy for me. Right. Um, and so I was kind of into pop stuff uh, songwriters like james taylor and and uh jim croce and john denver and people like that um yeah and then uh when i got up a little older and started uh you know to sing in clubs and stuff like that i kind of a buddy of mine turned me on to hank williams um my best friend john king turned me on to hank williams uh when we were in high school and college and i kind of drew me into um back into country music and then i remember specifically uh, hearing a, a song by the group Alabama uh, when I was in college, I, th they had a song called Old Flame that was just this incredible, you know, three-part harmony thing. And and I heard that on a jukebox. I was in a, a little beer joint. I, I, I wasn't supposed to be in there, but I was in there. And um, anyway, I was in the beer joint, and, and this was playing on a jukebox. And I just I love a country music. Right, right. So, um... Uh, which artist inspired you as a singer? Oh my goodness! Well, Randy Owen from Alabama definitely is one of the big ones. But uh, some of the, a lot of the guys that I mentioned earlier, Johnny Horton, uh, Marty Robbins, uh, Jim Reeves was another one. Uh, but I also loved guys like uh, Dan Fogelberg. Um, oh my goodness! Uh, like I said, James Taylor was another big influence. Don Williams. Um, yeah, you know, just I just I loved uh, great singers and great singer songwriters. So okay, it's a great thing you did that you mentioned. Yeah, Waylon. By the way, Waylon Jennings was another huge one as well. Waylon Jennings. Yes, got got to throw the big dog in there. Um, so you said you you mostly listened to pop. So what trans? Uh, so when did you decided decide that you want to be a country singer instead of going to the pop route or to the rock and you know rock and roll route? Yeah, well, you know, man, when I started um, um, 
I guess when I started maturing, um, right. my late teens, you know, and I, I, country music just really spoke to me. I loved story songs. Kenny Rogers was another one. Oh yeah. A big influence yeah. on me. I, I loved all the great story songs that he did. And, um, and, and so that I think is really what drew me in the melodies and the stories and the songs. Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, um, there were certain country artists, you know, that I still gravitated towards. Like I loved Glenn Campbell and, and Johnny Cash because I'm from Arkansas. In fact, my parents grew up with the Cash family in a little town called Dice, Arkansas. So nice. I've always been a Cash fan. Yeah. And um, so it, it wasn't exclusively pop. It's just uh, a lot of the uh, the twangy kind of uh, 70s, 60s and 70s, the Buck Owens kind of stuff. I just yeah. really didn't really dig then. I mean, I've, I'm a lot different now. I, I enjoy that kind of music right now, but it's just something had to kind of grow on me. Right. Um, so, uh, so when did, who did you seek out to begin your dream as a musician? Did you seek out, uh, like, uh, like, like, did you have to take singing lessons first, guitar, uh, guitar lessons? And I mean, like, yeah. No, well, I probably should have. Oh, no, no, dude. <laughs> you're great. <laughs> well, you're very kind. I, I started singing at church as a little boy. I mean, from, from like in kindergarten up. And then when we moved to, uh, OCL Arkansas when I was in the fourth grade uh, the church that we attended had a, uh, a children's and a youth choir and so that kind of got me rolling there was a lady named uh, Nancy Jane Blair who was the choir director at the time when I would uh, wind up there in Osceola and she taught me a lot about singing uh, in choirs and stuff and, and breathing techniques and, mm -hmm. and things that I still use today and she and another <laughs> right. gentleman named John Dresback, who came along after Miss Blair left, and John was our youth um, leader and also the uh, 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 the music director there as well. Um, and he had um, they started a, a an ensemble, like I want to say there were I'm trying to think there were eight there were eight people, four guys, four gals, uh, singing in this uh, kind of a christian pop ensemble type thing and i auditioned and, and won a part in that and then uh, when i went up in college i auditioned for another ensemble there at arkansas state university and, and wound up singing in it as well so it just it was kind of a culmination of a lot of different things to singing um musically when i was 14 or you know as far as playing an instrument um I, being very honest with you i heard the song stairway to heaven and i loved the 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 acoustic guitar on the front of that Right. song and i thought man i would love to be able to play that and that was one of my goals was to be able to play that yeah. song yeah and uh so i had a couple uncles that you know played guitar and they taught me a few chords and another a couple of cousins that played guitar that taught me a few things and and so uh i never took any formal lessons and just you know along the way people would teach me you know I'd, I would be writing with someone and i said you know how are you making that chord that you're playing there and they would show me and so i just kind of just uh, there again uh, some some accumulated uh, knowledge, uh, but uh, nothing I can actually point to one particular person. Right, right. So, uh, um, so when you were uh, playing guitar at a young age, which what was your first guitar, and do you usually have it? <laughs> no, um, there was a guy I went to school with. His name was Chucky McBride, mm -hmm. and uh, Chucky and I were friends. Chucky was a big old boy, and uh, <laughs> he had this. He had this little guitar uh, that he sold me for $10, James. Oh, wow. And I didn't know it, and he probably didn't either, but the neck was warped on it, mm -hmm. um, and it wouldn't stay in tune. And so, and then I think somebody else along the line, they gave me an old Sears, Sears Silvertone electric guitar, and I think the neck was pretty bad shape on it, too. I know. But Mr. Grasback, who was my youth uh, director, he had a, a gut string uh, classical guitar. And, um, and he took an interest in me and he would let me borrow that guitar and I'd take it home for, you know, days at a time. And I really probably learned to play, you know, initially started playing guitar on Mr. Dresbach's guitar. And then, um, when I was in uh, high school, uh, a girlfriend for Christmas bought me a new guitar and that was the first new guitar that I ever had. So right yeah <laughs> uh, um now now with this guitar did you teach yourself music or did you get lessons or did, did your dad teach you something no you know like i said i had a few uncles a couple uncles that showed, showed me the basics you know like gc and d and some things oh, yeah, like that yeah. and, and then i was i worked as uh uh well i don't know what they call them now but i bagged groceries at one of the local supermarkets there in osceola 
and I'd take that money and I would buy music books that had sheet music in them. I couldn't read sheet music, but they would always have the chord symbols above the um, the music, you know, staff and stuff like that. Right. And so uh, I, I learned how to, uh, you know, to play. You know, I could, I could because I'd listen to stuff on the radio buy these song books of, you know, that all the hits of 19, whatever it was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just go through that book and, and kind of learn how to play them. It just, it was a gift that God gave me that I just, you know, yeah, it just developed. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, did you pick it up pretty quick or did it take you like several months or two like, to Oh like, man. Later? No, I, it takes me a lot of practice. I, oh, okay. I'll never be yeah. a lead guitar player. Oh, but no. I, um, uh, I was, I'm, I'll tell you a funny story. I was, um, I guess I was in junior high. And I was still, you know, yeah, I was probably, you know, 16 years old, something like that. Learned, still kind of learning how to play. And I would sit down. My, my mom and dad had this old porch swing on our carport at our house there. And I'd sit on that porch swing with that guitar and a, a cheek full of red man chewing tobacco. Mm-hmm. And uh, sit out there and just change chords. I would go, you know, A through G, you know, A, B, C, D, F, G, and just keep repeating, you know, changing chords as fast as I could. Uh, teaching myself that stuff and chewing tobacco and spitting. And I remember one time this gal that I really liked a lot came riding up on her bicycle and, and I had the big chaw tobacco <laughs> in Stick my it cheek. Out. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, this is really bad timing. Right. And uh, I, I think I wound up swallowing some of the juice. Oh, no. So I didn't yeah. spit in front of her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, anything to impress a lady, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. At an early age. <laughs> yeah, baby, you got to start sometime, right? On, but... Yeah, you got to start sometime, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, that's right. With your first album, One in a Row, in 2001, and your second album, Far Enough Away, in 2002, being self-released by you, uh, what was the recording session like, and how did you go about releasing it for yourself? Oh, Wow. Um, a lot of those things were just demos that I'd done along the way of things that I wrote because I, I wrote everything on both those records. I wrote or co-wrote them. Right. And so those were essentially demos. Now, um, when when I found out that um, I was going to uh, – had a shot at being on Nashville Star, I, I hurried up and I got far enough away finished because I thought, man, if I, if I can get on television – um, then maybe I can sell a few CDs in these ugly t-shirts that we had right. <laughs> and, uh, and make a little money, you know? And so, um, um, but yeah, those were all just essentially demos that I had laying around songs that I'd written. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, now, uh, when did you hear about the, uh, about the Nashville star competition? Was it, well, there was or? Nah, you know what? I didn't, I didn't have a clue about it. A friend of mine, uh, Richard Johnson, at my church, every I'd show up on Sunday morning, and, and and he just bugged me like for three or four weeks in a row. Hey, man, there's this new singing, you know, this new competition. It's like American Idol, but it's for country singer-songwriters, and you really ought to, you know, get involved. And I'm like, oh, Richard, you know, because I'd, <laughs> I'd done all the Marlboro contests. And I'd yeah. even been on, back in the early 90s, there was a show called Ed McMahon's uh, Star Search. Yeah, okay. And I was cool. a male vocalist yeah. champion on there for three shows and thought that that would be my big break. And that didn't happen. And I, I'd won like this t- contest in Dallas when I lived there and got to open for Alabama and, and, uh, there in this, at this huge amphitheater and, uh, thought that that was going to, you know, help my career. In fact, that's why I moved to Nashville. The people that managed that contest taught me to move right. to Nashville. Yeah. But, uh, just, I was kind of, you know, burned out on, you know, talent shows, uh, because a lot of them are, you know, that I've been in were kind of rigged and, uh, but eventually just kind of shut Richard up. I said, okay, I'll go, I'll try out. Just leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, I was watching in a previous in, uh, interview of you, um, you've done it last year and you said that the two days after you won the Nashville, um, competition, Nashville Star competition, you played in the, at the Grand Ole Opry. So it, yeah, three weeks later. Okay. Sure did. Okay. So so uh, can you tell me about that day? Like like what was the day leading up before you took it to stage? How was it on stage? Uh, uh, well, I tell you, that's a really cool story for me. I years before, you know, I moved to Nashville in nineteen ninety three, trying to get a record deal, and I couldn't get one. And I sang ton thousands of demo songs that you know people wound up recording a bunch of those and having hits with them, stuff like that. Um, but I got to meet Porter Wagner, become friends with Porter. 
And he had tried for a long time to get the people that ran the Opry to let me sing on the Opry, and they wouldn't do it. Right. And so when I won the show, one of the things was is they guaranteed the winner got to play the Opry. And so Porter was tickled to death, you know, and I, I got this great picture of him and my dad and me on the side of the stage. And you, I can't tell who's more proud, my dad or Porter. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Sing on the yeah, cool. yeah. I, I think your dad was. I think your dad was a real. Yeah, proud. you're probably yeah. right. But yeah. I, uh-huh. I, but it was just uh, you know, Clint Black produced my first record, and um, Clint gave me a lot of great advice. And I remember that night, he told me, he said, "Man, he said, just you know, be sure that you kind of step back and observe what's going on around you because this stuff is going to co- go by so fast." Uh, you know, you don't want to miss these memories. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember walking on the stage, and I'd been to the Opry a few times before backstage. You know, Porter here, I'd been a guest of his a lot. And I remember on Saturday nights, you know, they would turn the house over and do a second show, and and they'd let people walk out there when the when the curtain was closed and stand in the circle, you know, that came from the floor from the original, you know, Opry, you know, house uh, at the Ryman. Right. And uh, you stand out there and take a picture behind the big WSM mic. And, I'm, and so I'm, I remember one night I was out there with my mom and um, I, w- I went out there and took a picture and, and I came back and my mom said, you know, one of these days you're going to be out there and get, you're going to be singing your music out there in that circle. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> sure. Well, but, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, 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 I vaguely remember walking on stage and singing. It was, uh, I, it was like I was in a fog. Right. Um, yeah. It was so surreal. And I didn't realize until I got off stage, uh, Clint came to me and he said, Did you did you see what happened? And I said, No. What? <laughs> he said, You got a standing ovation going on and you got a standing ovation coming off. He said, That never happens here. Wow. And uh and I'd be like, God, I mean, I was just uh, it's it's still uh is it's hard to believe. You yeah. Know? Yeah, very hard to believe. <laughs> On uh, on July first, two thousand three, your self-titled album "Buddy Jewel" released to the world. Um, how was working with Clint Black, who produced the album as well as played some songs on it? I would say that one more time. How, uh, how, uh, how was uh, working with Clint Black, who produced your uh, first album, and and, well, and and he also played some some songs on you, right? For you, yeah, like, he did. Like he harmonica did. and. Something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Clint was great to work with. You know, um, he was our mentor on the show. And the deal that Sony had made was whoever won the show, Clint was going to produce their record. Okay. And um, so we got to know him a little bit from him, you know, coming and hanging around the house a little bit or, you know, or being on the show with us and things like that. Um, and, um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun working with Clint. Yeah. Um, he, I remember when there were only five of us left on the show. Uh, Sony had come to the five uh, remaining finalists and said, "Hey, look, we don't know which one of you guys is going to win." <laughs> right. So we got to send you in the studio with Clint, and each one of you has, needs to record a single. And so I had already sung my, my the song wrote about my daughter Lacey, "Help Pour Out the Rain." Right. On the show, great song. And it just got this enormous response to it mm. online, and so I knew I was going to record that song. Yeah. Um, but I remember going to the studio with Clint and a kind of funny thing was, uh, I, I had always envisioned, uh, like a fiddle playing the la da 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 deep part that I sing, uh, on the song. Right. And I remember when I did that first record, if you ever listened to the, the first album I did one in a row, there's a copy of the original, uh, cut of help prior the range is called Lacey's song. Okay. And uh, on on that cut, there is no la da 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 d. It's all a fiddle playing that melody. Okay. Well, the the la da 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 d came about because I couldn't afford to hire a fiddle player when I played out live. So I just <laughs> sang the la da da d part. And when I went in the studio to cut it, I replaced the la da da d with a fiddle. Right. And then I had people coming back after they buy the CD. This is before Nashville Star. I played a little Mexican place every other Saturday night, and they'd buy the record and they'd come back the next week or whatever and say, "Man." What happened to the lot of da da d on your song? I'm like, oh crap! I left the hook off my own song. Yeah. So I told Clint that story. So we made sure I put lot of da da on. But the funny thing about it was, <clears throat> he um, originally Clint had played. You know, he's he's a great guitarist and harmonica player and all this stuff. And he had played the Stratocaster uh, on the song, and it just didn't fit 
the song to me. You know, it just it was it just it was like a, a you know two left feet, and I'm like, oh my god, how am I going to tell Clint Black that I don't like his guitar playing? And uh, and then it it had to have been something you know from God. And I thought, wait a minute, he plays harmonica, and I went to him and said, hey Clint, what would you think about playing some harmonica on the front of this? Right. And so he did. And then I said, you know, I really like that a lot. What would you think about replacing your guitar and playing a harmonica in the solo instead of your guitar? And that's how the harmonica wound up on that song. Well, after I won the show, we're, we're making the record, and I told Clint that story. I said, you know, I didn't want to hurt your feelings, but I didn't know how to tell you that I didn't like what you were playing, you know. And he laughed and said, <laughs> well, he said, to, to avoid that, he said, you know, it's kind of like this. You know, let's say that you like cheeseburgers and 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 I like hamburgers. I don't like cheese. He said, "If I do something you don't like, just say, Clint, I don't want cheese on I don't want, that." Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. He seems whenever, he seems like a straight up guy, you know. So, yeah, yeah. So I so pop up and I go, uh, "Clint, don't want any cheese on that, ready?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome because I, you know, because uh, I can't re- imagine working with a legendary person like Clint Black, but but to yeah. hear that you so such down to earth just makes me like him even more, you know. Yeah. So he Great seems guy. like a really good guy. Yeah. Um, so the song "Help Pour Out the Rain," Lacey song about your daughter, uh, was was the first single off of your Buddy Jewel album. Uh, can you tell the story that for to our uh, fans here on the Word, Wind Words Fail Music Speaks podcast? Um, the story behind that song and what that song means to you. Oh, wow, um, it's a true story. Lacey was about three. There was a lady that did in-home daycare for us. You know, I, I, did, I did. I was a studio singer. My wife was a, a nail technician. She did, you know, these sculptured nails and stuff like that that all the ladies were still wear. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a really good, thriving business. So that so a lot of days we had to take our kids out to a lady that did in-home daycare. And I was on the way uh, to take Lacey to Miss Kay's house. And she's three years old. She's sitting in her back, you know, in a little car seat in the back of the car. And and we get in this conversation about Jesus in heaven somehow. And she says, well, Daddy, I don't think I want to go to heaven. And I said, well, three years old. I, I, I said, well, I think you ought to reconsider because I hear the other place doesn't have air conditioning. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And she started. And so she got real quiet. And a couple minutes later, she said, Daddy, if I go to heaven, will God let me help pour out the rain? Mm. And I thought, wow. And the songwriter <laughs> in me didn't kick him, but I thought, God, that's how sweet. I mean, yeah. only a kid, a baby, a kid could think of that. Right. And then several months later, you know, I couldn't sleep one night, and I, um, that scene kind of came back to me. And then the melody, the la da 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 dee 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 started coming to me, and mm. I learned uh, because of previously not getting up and writing stuff down, thinking I remember it in the morning, and then waking up in the morning not remembering nothing. Right. I learned, you know, get your rear end up and write. So I got up it's probably one or two o'clock in the morning. Right. And I wrote the majority of the song in about an hour, and um, just thought it was something sweet that my daughter said. Never realized that people would identify with it like they do. And mm-hmm. so it's a it's a very it's, you know it's probably it's the most special song I've ever written for for several reasons. A, you know, my daughter, um, if she hadn't said that to me, it would have never gotten written. Right. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. And I, and I just get, I, I, I have gotten thousands of emails and letters from people all over the world, um, that that song has spoken to, um, sadly, a lot of them, you know, is because they lose somebody. And in particular, a lot of people, when they lose children, uh, would identify with that song and it, it played at their funeral and, and things like that. And but to, to know that God kind of used it to be you know, a little part of the healing process for people and um, is just you know priceless for me. So that's mm-hmm. the song means a lot. Yeah, cool. That's that's a really cool story. Um, did you ever think that your daughter would be able to be the one? To, the, did you ever think your daughter would ever be the inspiration to one of your biggest songs? That I that she would be uh, an inspiration for my song? No, yeah. I, no? you know, I I learned to listen, you know, to people and and listen, you know, as a writer, I read, you know, I read every bumper sticker and 
and um, every billboard, uh, things like that, you know, getting ideas or listening to people and somebody would make a, you know, they slip up and say something kind of oddly or whatever. And, but uh, I never dreamed that, that something would come from my, um, my daughter. And, and actually, and, and I, both my boys have inspired, you know, songs I've written as well. They just hadn't been hits yet. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, so moving on to the second single from the album, uh, Sweet Sun and Comfort. Uh, what was the process of that song? Meaning, like, did did they bring you to did they bring you the song to sing for them, or did or or like did they show you, like, a, did did they uh, take you through a lot of songs and 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 you picked out the best the best out of that bunch? I actually discovered that song um, totally by accident when I was on Nashville Star. Uh, you know, I told you earlier about the the them coming to the five remaining contestants and saying you got to do a single. Uh, and I knew what I was going to record already, but I was in the house one day. They, it was the, on Nashville Star. It was like uh, American Idol um, plus Big Brother plus Survivor. Oh wow! Uh, you know, right, right. They had yeah. us all stuck in this house together, had to live together, and they were hoping we'd get mad and fight with each other and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And every week, somebody got voted off, you know, like Survivor. And, right. <clears throat> and so, um, but I was I was listening, and they the A and R people from Sony wrote the house, and they were playing songs for the other four contestants, because you know some of them hadn't written you know songs that you know were they felt like were airworthy or whatever, and they were playing that was one of the songs they were playing for my buddy Brandon Silvero, who was still one of the contestants at that time, mm-hmm. and I heard it, and I thought, gosh, what a great song, and. Um, I thought, wow, you know, man, if you if you win this television show, you ought to think about recording that. Right. And so when it came time to do the record, and we were in this enormous, no one's ever made a record as fast as we did. I, I would, I guarantee, it's <laughs> got to be a Guinness Book of World Records thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, when we sat down the first day to talk about songs for the record, I brought that up and I said, hey, I, I want to cut this song, and. Right. Um, and so, and Tracy Gershon was my A and R person at Sony, and um, anyways, that's how the the song wound up on the record. And boy, am I glad it did because that oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I helped Brought the Rain sold more records, but Sweet Southern Comfort got more airplay. So right, <laughs> with with this two two of the best world, two from the best worlds, you know, because because one song made you a lot of money and uh, you got more requests to, uh, you know, some people wanted to see your thing. Thing that's sweet Southern Comfort song, which is a great yeah. song, yeah. Um, what has that song made for you in the past years as well as today? Um, I, and I'm sorry, my, I had a, a problem on my end. What would you say again, James? Okay. Uh, what has that song meant for you in the past as well as today? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, um, there again, it's, uh, I would say, here in the United States, it's it's really my signature song. I'm known for that song. Now, when you I go, you know, to Europe and Scandinavia and stuff like that, people know me more for "Help Pour Out the Rain" than they do "Sweet Southern Comfort," which I think is is cool and yeah. ironic. Um, but that song, um, "Sweet Southern Comfort," is just, it's an ageless song. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it still gets played on radio a lot today. Um, you know, people, you know, here it is 17 years after the television show. And, uh, and it's still every summer when it rolls around, you know, especially when football season starts getting kind of close, you know, they play that a bunch. I know ESPN had all had licensed it to use on, um, all their sec games uh, wow. that, that one year. And so, um, it was a big thing and it's it a big song for me. So it, it means a lot to me as well. Cool. Cool. Um, I Surrender All is your sixth album that came out in 2011. Uh, it is your first and only gospel album so far. Uh, what made you want to record a gospel album? Well, that, that's another funny story if you got time. Oh, yeah. Um, we got lots of time, so uh, don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I grew up I grew up in church, you know, so the gospel thing was just a natural deal. But um, my mother, God rest her soul, I, I lost her two years ago. But uh, back about 20, 2009, 2010, um, Mama came to me and she said, uh, she said, hey, here's a list of songs I want you to sing at my funeral. And I said, Mama, I said, I, 
I thought, boy, typical Southern mom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said, Mom, I said, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to sing that day. You Man. know, I, I'm going to probably be pretty tore up, you know. I said, and there's no guarantee that I'm not going before you do, you know. Right. And so uh, <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Why don't I I'll go in the studio and I'll record a few of these for you, and then you can you play those at the funeral. And so that was kind of what got me started to doing the record. But the funny thing is, once I finished it, uh, I got so involved in making the record that I didn't realize until after it was done and out that I didn't put a single one of my mom's requests. <laughs> oh, no. On the oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. but, but there's one track on here that I don't think really fits that um, al uh, album, really. Um, track number five, Jesus, Elvis, and Me. It's a great song. It's very catchy, you know. Um, the song is vastly different from all the other songs on the album. Uh, why did you, what made you choose to put this album on a gospel album? Well, uh, when I was doing my second record for Sony back in 2005, uh, my producer, Garth Fundus, was producing that record. And he called me his office one day and said, man, I want you to hear this song. And he played it for me. And I went, oh, man, we got to put that on this record, Garth. He said, we can't. I said, why can't we? He said, Brad Paisley has it on hold. Oh, no. So I, said, I said, well, so I called Brad. I said, hey, man, the, this Jesus Elvis and Me song. I said, are you really going to record this? Oh, yeah, I love it. We're going to do it. It's going to be on my record. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, listen, do me a favor. If for some reason you decide not to do it, please let me know right. as soon as possible. Because if you're not going to do it, I'm putting it on my record. <laughs> Brad right. said, Brad goes, no, nah, you know, we're, don't worry. I'm going to put it on my record. I said, okay, man, cool. <laughs> well, a few weeks go by, my phone rings, and it's Brad. He says, man, you're going to kill me. And I said, yeah, I sure <laughs> am. What happened? He said, well, we went in the studio, and we did all the track and everything, and it just, I, it just wasn't working for me. So he said, man, you know, you can have it. And I'm like, Great. he said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he, said, I, he said, I'll come play guitar on your the track for you or whatever. And I said, it's too late. I'd already, Sony had already said, Turn the turn everything you got in, and don't you can't cut anymore. Oh no! And so the record was finished. Otherwise, that would have been on the second, uh, on uh, the times like these record, and would have been the, the first single, right, off that record. But that's just you know as fate would have it. Yeah. So when I started putting that record together in 2010, I was on my way to Afghanistan and Iraq and Kuwait. I was doing a USO tour with a sergeant major of the army, and um. I was putting that record together, and I remember, remember that song. I thought, well, it does say Jesus' name about 20 times. So, yeah. so I, I know it's not a gospel song, but I'm going to put it on there anyway because I'm the one paying for the record, and right. I get to do what I want to do. There you so go. I, there you go. Well, uh, what that, uh, I, I will tell you um, the story also. My, my mom is a big, huge fan of Elvis, right? So I think the, I think the order would go Jesus, Elvis, my dad, my sister, and me. So I'm all the way at the, <laughs> all the, all, all the, way at the end, of, end of the spectrum. So I got you. That's a great song. That's a really, really catchy song. Yeah, uh, Chris Stapleton wrote that, actually. Did he? Yep. Yeah, well, Chris Stapleton writes amazing songs. I'm, you know, I'm surprised he's not as b bigger as he is right now. You know, that guy's a genius. Pure genius. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's great. Uh, the album I surrender, the, the album after I surrender all was my father's country. Uh, did your father inspire you about the album, or or did it, or did you want to bring back the old traditional country as opposed to what country is today? Uh, it was a mixture of both, actually. I, I'd always wanted to do that kind of a record, and you know, I grew up loving all those songs. And when I started putting the record together, I, I was trying to, you know, figure out if should I do some kind of theme or not. And and I was as I was choosing songs, you know, I got to looking them, and I realized that I was picking songs that my dad really loved. Right. And so I decided to do this tribute to him. And so that's that's where the title "My Father's Country" uh, came from. Yeah. Um, yeah, because um, it seems it, it seems to me like the old school country uh, talked up had more stories to their songs. And nowadays, there's no story uh, anywhere involved in it, you know? Oh, yeah, there's, there's yeah. one story involved in a lot of them. You take a girl out with your, you know, a white tank top with a, a cooler full of beer, 
on a dirt road <laughs> under the moonlight. Right. And, and make it. out with her in the back of your pickup truck. And that's, that's the it. only story they can tell. That's, yes, <laughs> yes, sir. That's it. You nailed it on the head on that one. Uh, uh, so talking about country now, uh, what do you think about country music today? Because you have a song called Taylor Went Pop on the album Shine On. So I mean, I mean, she claims she's country, but I don't, I don't, I, 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 I never saw, I never heard her sing country before, you know. I, I think when Taylor decided she was going to pop, she was the last person to realize that she already was. Yeah, but, right. uh, um, I didn't even think that a, she was labeled country, you know. So I never. Yeah. yeah. There's um, and, and um, kudos to. Taylor Swift. I mean, she's making an enormous living doing what she does. She's a very talented singer and songwriter. Um, so, I mean, hats off to her. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I don't really consider, you know, country music that's being passed off as it. And, and I'm just, it just makes me another one of those old farts, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that, you know, Porter and those guys are saying the same thing about Waylon Jennings and them, right, you know, yeah. <laughs> Really, you know, well, they were kind of switching things up and and so forth. So, um, but I'm not a big fan of a lot of the modern country music that, that especially this the bro country stuff that's got the rap stuff mixed in it and yeah. and the chord progressions. Somebody did a mix up tape one time. I thought it was hilarious. Of all these hit songs, they were all the same tempo and all had literally the same chord progressions in it i mean mm -hmm. i mean no i'm you know not melodically they were not but chord for chord you know it was the g chord and then the d chord and then the e minor chord and then the c chord and then back to g right and just that whole repetition on tons of these hits you know from from oh gosh the early 2000s even up to today and it's just just it gets really old right and so yeah. Yeah. um there was no creativity to me um, when you're, you know, when you're doing this cookie cutter thing and, um, and I know nowadays, I guess they write a lot, um, to try to draw on a bigger audience and I, and that's cool, you know, but I think there's a lot of country music fans are, they're, they're not servicing, they're doing a disservice yeah, to, right. um, and, and you know what, and that's fine because, uh, hopefully those people like that still know they can find guys like me and listen to my music. There you go. There you, um, I honestly think um, that that there are three um, musicians that that are bringing back that are keeping old country alive. That's you, Chris Stapleton, of course, and the the brothers the the brothers Osborne. Um, yeah, they're they're really really good. They, they got some amazing songs. I well, I actually love the, their uh, their song "Pushing Up Daisies." Um, so. Mm -hmm. Um, well, thanks, man. That's a that's a big compliment. I appreciate sure, it. Sure, no problem. Uh, now we come to uh, the year twenty twenty, which is this year, and what a year has has been. Uh, you released your recent album, Blue Bond Highway. Uh, this is a bluegrass album. Uh, can you tell us your relationship with bluegrass music? Well, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not a bluegrass musician. Uh, I love bluegrass music. I don't know a whole lot about the genre. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, um, I enjoyed making this record. I, it, it all came about because uh, of Ernie Evans, really, and Mitchell Brown. Um, I, I, I got hired to play one of Ernie's cruises that, that they do every year, which, by the way, for your friends out there watching, uh, coming up in uh, March, February, March of next year. It's um, February 27th through March 4th. We're leaving out of... Um, uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, going to Jamaica and Haiti. Wow. Uh, and check, you can check that out on my website or go to evansmediasource.com. Okay. Um, but it's called the classic country bluegrass cruise. And that's how I met Ernie and Mitchell. And, um, I do a, um, a, a Facebook live thing every Tuesday night. I've been doing it for three and a half years now called Tuesday's tune at six, six o'clock central standard time, seven o'clock your time. And, uh, and on that show, I usually sing a couple of, you know, country standards or, or maybe some pop thing, you know, from Bob Seger or God knows who else. <laughs> but I was doing, I had done some Ed Bruce music on there one night and, um, Mitchell and Ernie both got in touch with me and said, you know, you ought to think about 
taking some of this stuff because it would lend itself really well and doing a bluegrass record with it. I'm like, guys, I don't know a thing about bluegrass. I love it. But, right. And they said, well, you know, don't worry about it. We know a lot about it, you know, and they do. And so um, I was a little hesitant because I didn't want um, – I know when I would see pop guys or rock and roll guys come over into country, into the genre, and I would go, God, there's not enough room on the radio for people now – and now you got, you know, guys like, and no offense, but guys like Kid Rock and um, um, Darius Rucker, you know, coming from the rock and roll world, and all of a sudden they're getting played on country radio, and that's keeping the country artists from getting played. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was a little bit of that kind of thing. I, I didn't want um, bluegrassers to feel that way about me, right? you know? Right. But um, but I told Ernie and Mitchell, I said, well, let's, you know, let's give it a shot and see, you know, we'll, we'll cut a few things and see what it sounds like. And and the more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it. And then um, I, uh, I'm friends with a, a guy named Jerry Sally. He's a great bluegrass artist, and he's like the songwriter of the year for the IBMA, I think, last year and has been uh, a few years here and there. Um, I went in with, with Jerry, and he was nice enough to sit down and write with me. I used to do studio work for him when I was doing all those country demos. And he and I wrote uh, Teardrop from the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, which I think is a great song. It's been our first single, and it's, you know, they're playing on Sirius XM on on a, a Bluegrass Junction on Channel 62, and and um, so anyway, the the more just the more I kind of got into doing the record, the more I got into doing the record, right? You know, right. And and I had a lot of fun, and and um, it's just been a learning experience for me. Uh, I'm not through doing bluegrass by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Oh, it's it's not a one-off kind of thing for me. I just I really enjoyed it, especially all the acoustic um, elements. You know, I, I've always loved banjo, and fiddle, and dobro. Oh my goodness, you know, just in and having all those things melded together. And you know, Mitchell and Ernie both were so instrumental in getting all these great bluegrass pickers to play on the record for me. Right. And um, so just to have that kind of talent. Uh, and those people believing in me enough to come play on the record was really cool. So uh, I'm uh, I'm going to be around for a while. Good, you know, great. That's, hey, I mean, that's great news. I can't wait to hear more bluegrass and other other music from you. Um, uh, on this album, you re re released uh, your um, songs that made you who you are today. Help pour out the rain and uh, sweet sun the comfort. Um, can you tell me why did you choose to re-release these uh, um, on this album? Uh, to me, they to me they sound wonderful. I mean, you got the uh, um, you got the um, I think it's the uh, uh, it's some kind of El Confederate um, song playing before Sweet Southern Comfort. Oh yeah, Dixie. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Thank you, Dixie. I can't think of the name. That's okay. Um, and it sounded like you have a lot more um, acoustic sound in in both of those songs. Yeah, you know, um, I, there again, I have to give Mitchell Brown uh, most of the credit for us re- redoing those songs. Um, mm-hmm. He's been did a phenomenal job producing it uh, and finding songs, and Ernie, Ernie played a big uh, role in that as well. Right. But uh, I am, um, yeah, I'm really tickled they did that. In fact, I didn't know about the Dixie stuff until Mitchell had already gone to the studio and done it with Amanda Smith. And when I heard the opening, I thought, oh my gosh, that's what a great mm-hmm. idea. You know, put that on the front of that song and then on the end of it as well. Right, right. Um, well, you have a song on your, and it's called, um, what, uh, I think it's called Willie. We, uh, um, Willie Gave Up Weed. Yes. That is a fantastic song, man. I laughed so hard. Uh, uh, have you met Willie Nelson before? Yeah, I, you know, I've I've um, I've been around Willie a couple of times, just briefly. Don't really know him. I don't even know if he's heard the song. I've tried to get it to him. Yeah. Um, but I was, uh, yeah, I was reading Fox News one day, and uh, I saw this report back in November of last year that Willie had quit smoking pot because oh, of no. his lungs. Right. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's got to be a sign of the end of the world. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So the more I thought about it, the more tickled I got about it. And I thought, oh gosh, I I got to write this down. And um, and uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm glad I did. I had a lot of fun. I was able to, you know, poke fun at uh, 
at uh, both political parties and stuff like that in it, and I think not hurt anybody's feelings, but it was a lot of fun. Right, good, good. Uh, yeah, that's an amazing song. Funny too. So if you know, if uh, anybody who was who was out there that, that go get Blue Button Highway right now, because it, uh, I, I think you picked that number nineteen now, or is it further up 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 the billboard? Yeah, the um, well, let's see. Blue Bond Highway is actually number twenty. Well, and the last I looked, it was number twenty on the the bluegrass chart on the bluegrass today chart and the album has gone from number 40 to number 34 on the americana chart nice so yeah so god's kind of letting us play them in, in both playgrounds right now yeah like that's, that. that's that that's cool you know i mean that, that gets more uh more uh fans for you because they've yeah, more you know, exposure that's yeah that's true that's true uh so can you tell uh the, uh, my fans and your fans where they can also find you on any platform well i am uh i'm on facebook twitter instagram uh tiktok until they outlaw it um <laughs> i've got a youtube channel mm-hmm. um uh, buddy is a great place to go to get music and t-shirts and all kind of stuff and be sure you put two l's on jewel two not l's just one. nope <laughs> yeah. yeah um but um and and you can actually you can buy the record right on Facebook. There's a, you can click on the shop button when you're on yeah. on the Buddy Tool channel, cool. and uh, watch out for those uh, guys out there pretending they're to me because there's a lot of imposters out there. Oh and no, they yeah. they, uh, they like pretending they're me. But I am mm-hmm. uh, I'm Buddy Jewel on uh, Facebook. I am the Buddy Jewel on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I am at Buddy Jewel on Twitter. <laughs> So. <laughs> nice, nice. And, and and all of them have that blue check, so they they so they they know it's you, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you so much, buddy. I, I did, this is one for me to check off my bucket list. This has really, really, <laughs> really, really been fun. And thank well, you so thank much for coming you. on. Oh man, I've had a lot of fun. I hope when I make it through South Carolina next time, I get to meet you in person. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will time. do. Right. Right. So thank you very much. All right, buddy. You've been listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more, and thank you for listening.